0: Welcome to Subtitles, where we spike the canon in music and movies. In each episode, we will offer placements for each title in the top 100 of a well-known, well-regarded ranking, and we'll walk away with a pair of subtitles, which we think deserve more acclaim and to which attention must be paid. I'm Matt, and I'm replacing the top 100 entries on Spin Magazine's 2015 list of the top 300 albums from 1985 until 2015, starting with number one and working down.
1: And I'm Tim. I'm replacing the entries on the 2007 AFI 100 Years 100 Movies list, starting with number 100 and working up.
0: Once we finish this off, we'll do some fun activities with the new replacement lists we've collaborated on. But before we can get there, we have to do this. Today's title to be replaced is Dummy, Head's 1994 album, their debut album. Coming in at number something on the spin list. I don't actually remember. 61. 61. Um, should have known that. That's an easy one to remember. Um, Portis heads. Seminal electronic band. Sure, I'll say that. And not at all a prolific one. I feel like it's a name that has some recognition to it, but they also have only released three albums. Since well, since their debut ninety four, they have uh, ninety four. The sophomore album was in ninety seven. They released a third in two thousand eight, and pretty much radio silence otherwise. Um, it sounded like you had heard of Portishead before, Tim. Is that that, that they just sort of like. Culturally osmosis into you, or what? Yeah, you happened th-
1: there? I think that's it. Uh, I think that's like the same thing that happened with uh, with my bloody Valentine, for example. Like, mm. and and I don't know if I'm just thinking about yeah, shoegaze, so three album band. Because, well, maybe maybe I'm being smarter than I thought, but the that general, um, I don't know, something about that like foreign. 80s, 90s, it just sort of like, it's the kind of thing that I think just sort of shows up on like Google results, you know, and, and you get to it eventually, like I did last night, for example.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess just real quick, Portishead's uh, from the UK, from Bristol, England in particular. Um, Bristol is the, seat, the site and the scene of uh a type of electronic music that got big enough that it was it's sort of dubbed the Bristol sound um right, so this is one of those situations where a lot of people from a similar area working at a similar time uh coming up with music that is related in a lot of ways is unique right they all have the unique blend of it, but Uh, is related enough that it becomes kind of a sound. So grunge in Seattle, easy comparison there. Um, So Bristol has this going on in this early mid-90s moment um, into the late 90s uh, when the Bristol bands themselves start really trying to break it open. Um, And of course it expands from there. Other bands start picking it up. But it is a sound that... Um, I'm trying to think how I want to put this. Like, it ages very well. I think Um, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts on this in a minute, but I feel like it's one that, at least for a band like Portishead, can not feel eternal. That feels like too much. But like, no matter when you put it on, it sounds like it could have been made at at any point. Like, it could have been. It could be a new release the day you're listening to it um that it's from you know almost i almost said 20 crap 30 years ago <laughs> um right mm-hmm. like it, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, like i i guess what i'm saying like i don't think the era matters so much to this genre which is trip hop we're going to be talking about trip hop today um but at least the, the bands at the band, the vanguards Portis had included. I don't think I have to say this is a, you had to be there band. Like I have to, for some of the other ones, um, whether I like them or not, I just have to say that for some, but I don't know. To me, this one sounds like it just, it's this really interesting sound and really interesting concoction that does come out of a particular time and place, but has managed to uh, overcome that. I don't quite know why, but I, ju- I just think that's interesting and worth noting. How did you feel about that while you were listening?
1: Uh, so I, I listened with some of the, the what did you, you told me like there would be like a movie thing coming up. So I tried to think about it a little in terms of what, what like movies has sounded like. And eventually I went back and I'm like, this is sort of Bondy. Especially towards the end, like it has the has the the James Bond kind of thing, and when I say that, I realize that must that must seem like the worst possible comparison. But like that's that's kind of what I love about about the album is that it, I mean it, it's actively taking from that sort of like Bond, that Lalo Schifrin kind of sound, uh, but it's it's also something which I felt like I heard in the St. Vincent album that we did a few episodes ago, and and something about I can hear the traces of this in a quintessentially 60s, 70s movie franchise, but I also hear it in 2010s stuff that comes 20-plus years afterward. To me, that's kind of where the, the magic of this one is, the, the alchemy of it feels current, because it's unplaceable I think I think to me maybe that's why that's so hard to it's so hard to say where it comes from or why it feels so modern I think its just because it, it feels like it could have come in like anywhere and if you do that you have you've really managed to do something very cool
0: yeah they're big on their ship and that's what I was prompting you for so yeah the James Bond stuff I, there's a I think there's an actual mission impossible sample somewhere i forget which song from the mm. the, the series not not the mm-hmm. tom cruise movie for anyone thinking that um um so yeah they're they're big on i mean this is a noirish band and i mean that in in mood but also kind of literally <laughs> like they're pulling from uh, a lot of spy stuff a lot of kind of actiony movie samples um and they're big on the darkness they're big on the shadows they're big on right that noir vibe and you know uh, a good chunk of the songs on here would fit pretty well in a pick your dark detective movie du jour um so i mean that's sort of the vibe uh, of dummy and um if you know if you go to listen to this one so expect that um Here's the obligatory note that dummy in uh, British slang mean can mean a uh, pacifier. Uh, I think that has to be mentioned in any review or assessment of the album, And so I'm putting that in here.
1: <laughs> All I can think about right now is the community episode where Ken John is asking John Oliver, about like british slang and like doesn't x mean vagina and john oliver says in, in britain everything means vagina so i was really prepared <laughs> for you to say that's what dummy was a was a, <laughs> like a euphemism for but apparently not
0: probably uh in 94 <laughs> pacifier is the thing oh uh, did you have a follow-up there i'm just thinking
1: about the transition just a great joke about fanny being a british euphemism and then oh i love pizza we call them italian fannies
0: (laughs) um i wish that was some of the lyric material (laughs) alas uh so yeah obligatory mentioning of that i do it is important titles are important i i Right, I'm certainly of on that train. And especially for electronic albums, um, that's just part of the game. The titles prompt you in a, a very big way. Uh in a you know, in a way that rock album titles don't necessarily like they can, but for electronic albums usually, like that's vital. So right, that notion of um of of, a forced calm in a way of pacification um is is important here um and even more important i think is the right you got to take that just a a mild layer or or a small layer deeper um the you know the turmoil or the or the torment that that lies or, or that that prompts that pacification right so this is a very emotional album uh, this is a very uh, depressed album, and it's uh, it, right. It, it's it's not noir for the sake of the aesthetic. These, this is a pretty uh, downbeat and a pretty dour um, band and experience and kind of uh, worldview. The music itself can be pretty exciting. It's definitely darker and downbeat, but. Uh, this is a, a dyspeptic, um, trio and a dyspeptic, uh, view across this album. Which is kind of interesting. Cause when I was listening to it, I was
1: like, the vibes on this are absolutely pitch perfect, which we can talk about later. And I'm not like trying to tell everyone how depressed I am or anything, but, but <laughs> the, I think the lyrics are doing a lot more of the, the sort of like sadness or the, the darkness mm. than the, than the music itself is, which it's like mirror Smiths.
0: <laughs> oh God. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to relegate Beth Gibbons to the fate of, of mirror Morrissey. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you jackass. Um, <laughs> yeah, Beth Gibbons is our vocalist. I agree with you lyrically. Like that's doing a lot of the, the, uh, the mood work, um, uh, or the depression work anyway. But her voice is just so compelling and closer to like a Billy Holiday than it is to at, well, certainly a Morrissey, but like what you would expect if I just told you mid-90s sad album. <laughs> um she there's a lot of dynamism to her voice. Um there's Uh, It can be a very smoky thing. It's she's uh, definitely just kind of closer to those like 40s, 50s uh, singer songwriters, kind of jazz lounge singers. Um, So it's a really compelling voice, especially over top of the music, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But I do want to say that like right, that emotional tenor or emotional pitch. Uh, Is important to trip hop, so that's one thing. That's the first thing we'll note, Um, and that it is generally a more downbeat kind of electronic music. And I'll place that a little bit more um, in a moment, but just uh, kind of slowly outlining major features of trip hop here. And and Dummy is, um, you know, Dummy is one of the albums that really helps set up the genre, or that really helps codify it, I guess. Um, it's early enough that people especially now can look at it and be like, ah, yes, that is what trip hop was and is up to like, that's one of the shining examples. Um, and we've already talked about a couple other ones on this list. Um, DJ shadows introducing, um, is one that can be put into that camp. DJ shadow is actually the person who coins trip hop, um, and he does in in 94 um so he's a major player in this we will see another one um so right this is this is a, an episode on trip hop and if i if it were the best it could be one of the the replacement options would be uh tricky but he's going to show up on the spin list and I forget how long, but a few entries. So we have some major kind of players in this scene across the spin list, which is interesting. Um, because I don't know that a lot of people are really thinking about like the big influence of trip hop explicitly. Uh, I think it's easy to like kind of trace it and you can hear it in different stuff, but um i don't know it's just fun to me that there are so many instances on the spin list where it could be like oh yeah that fits into that kind of not niche but that like local genre um so it's definitely important and, and actually one of the replacement titles is probably not far out of the top 100 and i think should be in it but uh we'll we'll get to that but it's just it's a pretty critically renowned thing happening here um and I don't know that it has all that much like explicit recognition. The genre itself, the bands might, yeah.
1: I think I might have just like figured out where I've heard of them before. So remember when Rolling Stone did their like revised greatest albums of all time thing, and it was exciting because it wasn't. Boy, do I? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I had to read that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, this one, this one jumped almost three hundred spots for them. So like this album, maybe that's where, maybe that's why I remember it from most is like it jumped up to like the, the top 40%, 30% of the list or something like that. So not quite a top 100 one, but I don't know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a a burgeoning appetite for, for more trip hop though. Again, I don't just listening to this. I, I, I sort of. I have thoughts about why this would be so hard to replicate, but it seems to me like it would just be so hard to, to recreate what what, uh, may as well. So I think what stuck out to me structurally about these is that they are so good at those like one or two line choruses, which I think Mm -hmm. are just like, it doesn't matter what your genre is. That's just a really difficult game to play no matter what. Uh, where it has to sound really good when you just say it over and over again, and not sound stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> or or sound trite. But they have they have such a way of like making making these really interesting ideas, and then putting that in the song somewhere, and just sort of like returning to it. And I think even on a technical level, maybe it's the repetition, or maybe it's the fact that um, maybe. Um, they're just enunciating more. Maybe Beth Gibbons is just like being clearer with, with what she's saying, but there's something really special about the way that that comes out and the way that that sounds. So maybe I, I just found the, the structure of these to be really, really fascinating.
0: I agree with you in that there are, it, right. There are a lot of good musicians in every subgenre. but like <clears throat> The bands we're going to talk about today, this, you know, even bringing up DJ Shadow and and Tricky, um, there's just a lot of really clever and astute uh, musicians and artists in this scene. Like, really high batting average is really what I mean. And, you know, it's impossible to forcefully recreate that. Like, it has to be organic. He looks like he just woke up. He woke up when I did. <laughs> no. um, um, so, I, yeah, I, I think I generally agree with you that like, it'd be. I know we can't assume a recreation of insight and writing that happens in this moment, in this place. That said, I agree with you mostly kind of lyrically, kind of, uh, I guess, spiritually, but this is also music that is really vibes based. Um, so I oh, yeah. see it like coming back or not even coming back, but just like rising that much on, on lists. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm surprised more people aren't like working in it explicitly, but again, I think it is one, I haven't done this work for this episode, but like, I think you could pretty easily trace it into a lot of more contemporary, popular styles um, or elements of it, anyway. And, and right, chiefly because the vibes are good. Well, the vibes are sad, but the vibes are good, and that's big right now. <laughs> so, like in that way, it makes sense to me, kind of musically. But the the insight, I agree with you. Like, I think there's something really. Clever and kind of profound, happening in the best examples of this from its moment. If there were a
1: '90s Stranger Things going around, then Sour Times or it could be Sweet or Numb or something would would have made the the soundtrack, and there would there would be a Portishead revival the way there is a Kate Bush revival right now.
0: Yo, I am here for both. <laughs> um, <laughs> give me both. I. Am only mad that the Kate Bush episode is not sooner, so it's not really topical <laughs> anymore. But give Kate Bush her flowers, and give Portishead their flowers. Uh, Mysterons is the track that opens us up, and in that lies Bjork. And um, we talked about we talked about homogenik. I think mm-hmm. after, yeah, we talked about one Bjork album. There will be another one upcoming. She has a toe in trip hop, especially her 90s output. Um, so let's call that another artist on the list that has trip hop influence or or stature or whatever you want to say, right? It's kind of all over the spin thing. Um, Sour Times, which you brought up, uh, that's one that goes big on the spy movie riffs. Um, uh, you can just hear the you can hear that throughout in the, in the guitar work and in the sampling, too. Uh, strangers, ride some samples and horns that I think would not feel out of place in the Illmatic sessions. Mm-hmm. The, right, you could kind of easily picture Nas just rapping over those. And those are the first three tracks. All right, you're already getting that kind of variety, that kind of uh, just really interesting juxtaposition of stuff. Um, and it goes, it like it just keeps shooting ever outward from there. Um, you get a like big Hammond organ moment and solo on it's a fire um, which is one of those tracks that like as forward thinking as the music sounds here they also clearly have a love for like just 60s and 70s stuff um, and when that organ comes in, whew. Uh, and that does bring up another important point that trip hop tends to be uh, more psychedelic um, or or it, it draws from, Uh, from psychedelia in ways that other electronic music just doesn't necessarily. And having a big, loud Hammond organ is just a very blunt signifier of that. And I love it. Um, Numb, which you mentioned as well. I love this is where. Right. You can say something is downbeat. And I mean that literally here uh, and metaphorically, but also literally. And like. Right, There's some degree which you can just think of that like, okay, it's slow. But Numb, I think, really makes clear how that is a an important production choice because Numb is, is a song that makes you work for every, or it makes itself work for every beat and you feel the effort. You feel just kind of the exertion of that in every snare hit, in every echo of it, in the perfect amount of reverb they put around it right you just feel like you are trudging and like being weighed down and trying to move through every beat individually uh the song is is excellent at making you just do that work with it um and that's right and you can't just have that kind of march through through molasses it's balanced with these quick fire scratches and just kind of bursts of electronic noise um Again, it's it's this is a band that's really like they're just kind of beautiful juxtapositions um, of stuff. And a lot of that is owed to we've talked about Beth Gibbons a little bit, who is, uh, you know, pick your metaphor, the straw that stirs the drink or the 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 thing that holds it all together. Like, right. It makes sense because Gibbons is here. The B twelve that metabolizes. Yes, yes, and then the perfect amount of it—not too much, not too little. Um, but also in the band we have Jeff Barrow, um, who was very young. I think in '94, I think he was like 22 or 23, um, and he's he's kind of a hip hop head, a beat head. Um, had been working in uh, you know electronic and 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 rap scenes. Um, So he's bringing that sensibility, right? He's bringing his turntable. He's a very uh, voracious sampler um, or manipulator of sampler. Um, You know, he can go through and crate dig like the best of them. But another kind of key to Portishead is that they uh, had Adrian Utley, the other main member of the band, uh, who primarily is the drummer, and they brought in a session guitarist, and the two of them just kind of jammed for for long periods of time and then barrow would take those and make samples out of just those jam sessions
1: that sounds right to me like that's that's definitely the vibe you get from listening to this album Is a lot of like we have we have samples of ourselves you know (laughs) there is which which i think is a really cool way to do it like that's a like it requires like a level of musicality and and competency that's that's just sort of exciting to see recycled in yourself
0: and that brings us to the other kind of key here. Utley is a musician with jazz training, and I believe this, the session guitarist they brought in as well. So they're right when they're jamming, it's a. Uh, these are very well studied musicians, and these are very different from uh, generally what's happening in electronic music. So the samples that you're getting are a couple jazz musicians just kind of riffing. Um, And that juxtaposition ultimately is what defines trip hop. It's electronic music um, meets hip hop primarily, but with this solid foundation of jazzy stuff, usually can be funkier. We get dub in there a little bit, Um, but it is this at its core, this mix of electronic and hip hop, um, but then it, it has these reference points, often calling back to 50s, 60s uh, of jazz and psychedelics. Um, and I'm going to bounce that off of what else is happening in electronic mu- music in the 90s. But Tim looks like he has found something fun. I don't know if it's more B12 content or.
1: No, it's um, I was thinking to myself, like, it sounds like Adrian Utley should go the Johnny Greenwood route. hmm and it turns has out, he? it turns out, <laughs>
0: sorry, the cat
1: has been shockingly good while we're all sitting together, but right now he is not Robin acting like
0: butt that. butt on the microphone. <laughs> he says, this is
1: my microphone. I stick my butt on it. Um, apparently, Adrian Utley did a new, sound, uh, new soundtrack for The Passion of Joan of Arc, which is one of the oh, I don't know, one of the 30 or 40 greatest movies ever made and probably the greatest acting performance of all time. So it sounds like he is doing some some Johnny Greenwood stuff, and I feel like I'm going to have to go look up the, the Adrian Utley uh, soundtrack for that now because I'm sure it is fascinating.
0: I mean, I'm going to have to look it up too, but there you go. See, we're finding connections for you here. Love too. that. Love that. <laughs> love, love when everything comes together. Um. So dummy itself is all mood. It's all dark shadowy spaces, it's creeping dread and despair. Um and it's plodding clatter a lot of the times. Uh Barrow said in an interview with the Wire back in the, in the 90s um he puts emphasis on it's the air around the thing. And I really like that. A lot, you know, a lot of reviews and assessments are going to pull this up too in addition to what dummy can mean and slang. Um, Right, it is the emptiness, it's the pockets, it's the the moments that you as a listener fill in, but if you heard them there, it would feel off. Um right, it, it is it's not literal it's not a minimalism because right they are using a lot of stuff, but it is to me a provocative minimalism in that way where it's you could easily hear more in here, but they what they're excising, what they're leaving open, what they're leaving gapped. Uh, that air that space that's that's the moment or that's the place for for the thinking for the feeling for the reacting um and right that's what they're drawing you to with their with their concoction with their blend of all this stuff um just a good album good album uh as i said earlier the vibes are good um gibbons is a just a really compelling singer And then Barrow and Utley, uh, because their backgrounds are so different, are are just making some truly interesting stuff. And like we were saying at the top of this, it's an album that you can right. I'm doing that right now. You can easily trace it to a moment in place, to a time in place. But um, I don't know. Transcend sounds overwrought, but like it just it resists that. In its own way, it doesn't have to be bound to that to understand it at all. I think it's
1: it's one of those extremely rare
0: things where it can wear the
1: influences on its sleeve, but it's only wearing them. You know, like it yeah. it doesn't have them tattooed on. And there are so many musicians, visual artists, writers, movie makers, whatever, who insist on having it tattooed on, and I really feel like they're just wearing it in a way that's just super
0: super interesting it's on their sleeve but they stitched the whole coat themselves like it's it's their thing Mm -hmm. um and i think that's true for a lot of the at least the major trip hop artists anyway that's true for shadow that's true for tricky that's going to be true for uh definitely one of our replacements also the other to a point we'll get into that But if it's not clear already, the theme for Dummy is Trip Hop. Uh, Whoa! I know, who knew? (laughs) So we're going to be doing one of our uh, kind of more informational episodes. I enjoy having these every so often. Tim will get to choose which album best suits that theme based on the arguments presented and all chosen albums head to their subtitles replacement list. And remember, the goal is not to choose the work that's best or most important, but to choose the one that best suits the theme. Uh, this being one of those, um, informational episodes, as I just referenced, uh, I don't know, maybe it makes the best thing kind of weird here. Not really the best, but the, like that best suits trip hopper that helps us understand that the most, I suppose. Um, and it's unique little, uh, mission or, or historical place. Yeah, go ahead.
1: So I think the last genre intro episode we had was about new Jack swing, and right. I feel like this is basically the same thing as New Jack Swing, so we might we might just be repeating ourselves a little bit.
0: You mean in like the episode structure or the subgenres? Because no,
1: I, I just mean that when I listen to Janet Jackson and then Portishead, it's like to me these are the same thing.
0: Okay. Uh, how do you feel about DeVoe and Portishead?
1: Uh, I assume that DeVoe and um, what is it? And and mezzanine? Is that the <laughs> massive attack?
0: Yeah, massive attack. They are not the same, my friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, thought a little a little levity for the listener after all of this to talk of noirish vibes and depression. Just
0: Oh, people like noir now. They're not sad. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. <she's a> hush. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so let's run down uh, trip hop again real quick before we get into the replacements um, the hello Toby <laughs> do you want to share about trip hop are you making your own music <laughs> uh, so again this is a, a genre that I I mean, probably in the late eighties, it's starting to coalesce, but in the early nineties, it starts to take off the mid nineties. It has taken off the late nineties, which we'll get to a bit with the, with a couple of the replacement options here. Uh, it's trying to break itself apart, but it's still definitely there. Uh, it's a, it's a UK electronic movement, especially from Bristol. And, you know, at its core, it's a fusion of hip hop and electronica. Um, to the point where that becomes one thing like it, they become inseparable really uh traditionally with slow temple slow, yeah temples slow tempos and uh psychedelic vibes again it was coined by dj shadow in 94 tricky is a major player here uh i've said already that bjork is kind of tapping into this um so there's a lot of major musicians that have gone on to do other work too uh that are really pushing this on forward Um, And just to place it a little bit, uh, I don't want to presume any level of electronic music knowledge from our listeners. I don't know where you are. It's not my, uh, it's certainly not my forte genre. I know a little enough to mention other stuff that's happening, but um, I'm not going to pretend I know all of these intimately. Um, But around the same time uh, as trip hop is developing, we have stuff like Jungle, uh, which is primarily a london fixture creation um jungle is kind of i guess spiritually the opposite of what trip-hop is doing it's very rapid it's for raves it's for clubs uh it, it's um very much tied to drum and bass um it, it's very fast music it's very you're on ecstasy and, and in a rave music um <clears throat> we have dub which has kind of always been somewhere for the last five, six decades. But that's having another kind of moment in the 90s. That's uh, very much bound to reggae. Um, So we do have a lot of of British artists working with that. But it it is a reggae specific thing because it's deconstructions of of old reggae songs, basically. Um, And then Big Beat as well, which is something that we'll get into because that has a few entries or a couple entries on the spin list. The name there is very nice and literal. It's fast. It's heavy backbeats, a lot of loops, distorted vocals, and it's big on its drops. Um, So that, honestly, uh, is easier to kind of trace through and hear where it is today because it's all about that building and then the big drop moment. Um, So those are just other things that are happening. Um, A lot of them are happening in the UK. The US has its own like house electronics scene at this time. but it's not as, I guess, popularly renowned as, as as the stuff happening in the UK here. So, dummy, um, and Portishead in general, like they're too unsettled to be ambient music, and they're too smooth to be something like jungle. Um, and I think that's a, an effective way to understand trip hop too. That it's, um, you know, it's not too far from like ambient or drone or like kind of experimental classical stuff. Like it's it's verging in that direction. Um, but it's still picking up pieces that would also go into stuff like jungle or big beat, but, uh, it's less, it's less poppy. It's less rock than them really. So does that feel like a fair kind of assessment? Is it making mostly sense as a, as a subgenre? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good place to start. <laughs>
0: he's like the guardian of the microphone he'll move
1: eventually i, I don't, don't know, know when but he will
0: <laughs> it's just funny um so initially i was going to start with massive attack or, or belbiv devoe i guess um but let's start with uh with tim's favorite band for this episode lamb lamb
1: uh, yeah really the,
0: really the band is just lamb and the album <laughs> is lamb and that album comes out in 1996 uh Lamb is a duo, primarily Andy Barlow and Lou uh, Lou Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> not Lou Reed. That's a different band. Um, and I did, you know, not every episode, but some. There's conscious effort on my part of what order should I talk about these replacement titles in? And this is one where that is definitely a thing uh, because there's kind of a benefit and a drawback to me doing either order. Um, I've already said, what well, we've referenced it a couple of times. Our replacements are going to be Lamb's self-titled debut and then Massive Attack's uh, album Mezzanine from 1998. Um, we're going to start with Lamb, even though I feel kind of bad about that. I'm, I wanted to do more of a chronology here in the end, but Lamb is also... Uh, I don't know. They're really sh- pushing what gets counted as trip hop and what gets counted as like jungle uh, in interesting ways. But if, you know, for an album or for an episode explicitly about one thing to start with that, I don't know. It feels kind of weird, but we're going to start there anyway. Uh, and to that end, the album opens uh, with a song called Lusty. Love a good song called Lusty. Um, immediately. This is more of a, a jungle breakbeat like this thing is fast uh it is um the snares are just skittering the whole time there's very just kind of nervy shifts and uh and samples and scratches and just turntable work um and a lot of heavy reverb on this thing uh so this is immediately a song that you know if porta said is good vibes you don't necessarily imagine them in the club lamb a song like lusty yeah you could you could dance you could bliss out to this thing um and particularly in that rave scene in london let's say southeast england um you know elsewhere too but like right where the musicians are really pushing it forward um the opening of this album the first few songs even like i feel more of that piece um so it can be Kind of hard to figure out okay well where does this become trip hop exactly because lamb is a band that uh, is consistently put into that scene it's not just me kind of stretching them in here um but it's interesting from the very get-go how they're already pushing the assessment of that um god bless but another early song honestly it's almost trap with how pumped up the snares are how Uh, how fast that is again i don't know the exact bpm on this but it has to be over 100 Uh, and behind that and here's i think where we kind of start to hear the right how spiritually this is this is a trip hop band Uh, you have that that pumped up backbeat so it's not doing the down tempo thing that dummy is at least not yet but there's a real melancholy to the strings and to the vocals um and the vocals on this album are not as I mean, let's just say interesting as Portis heads um, because they don't have Beth Gibbons, but in lyrically, it's just, honestly, this is what I would imagine as, you know, you were mentioning earlier, what would kind of a contemporary version of this look like? I think it'd be like this where like, you're really digging into what the vibes are, what the music is. Lyrically it's fine, but it's not in singing. It's fine. Like it works totally well in, the songs that they're creating um but it's not the the sort of personality or the force of a vocalist like gibbons or like some of the guest vocalists that massive attack are going to pull in um so yeah i think right if we were to think of what would this sound like to be made now lamb is probably a better instance or, or a better example of what probably artists would be doing um which is good. This is another fun album. I don't like it quite as much as Dummy, but right there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff happening on this one. And um, again, I just think this would be a better instance of like, what would this sound like now if it were a new scene? Did you have something you wanted to add there? Or? No, I was just looking at the
1: the track list for the first mm. time, and of course, my eye was caught by by one of them. There's no possible way to know which one that would be. Trans fatty acid. Well, in the in the subject of all the lamb nutrition facts that we've been thinking about, it's kind of incredible that that actually happened.
0: Uh, let's talk about trans fatty acid. It has a little bit of a little bit of like acid jazz and acid house to it, which uh, another realm of electronic music that I'm not getting into specifically here, but it's more or less what it sounds like. Um, but mostly, there's just this absolutely gargantuan, uh, I don't know the adjective I want here, like, we'll call it a standard in the like the musical sense, uh, classic rock um, breakbeat. Like, it's one of these just huge drum breakbeats that could come from any classic rock band or song and sounds like it's... Uh, you know like the amen beat that um a lot of like uh, dub is gonna pull from in particular um but it's just this this absolutely huge thing and then this very slinky groove um and like what portishead is able to do with their juxtaposition juxtapositions this is another one that it's just really interesting how this stuff comes together and i think you know, the, some of those earlier songs I've been describing as more jungle, as just uh, as faster, uh, as more rave focused, something like Trans Fatty Acid, like this is the heart of what Big Beat is going to be. Uh, you just take this massive drum loop and let that run the whole thing. What's different here is that Big Beat, again, gets really upbeat, really quick, really, uh, you know, the drug of choice is speed. Um for trans fatty acid that slinkiness to it the the acid house vibes um or on some of those earlier tracks again the, the the melancholy of all of it all uh it is still pulling those that psychedelic impulses those those jazzier impulses kind of those older touchstones those older forms uh, and those more not mellow necessarily but more downbeat uh forms to Make basically, I think what this album is doing is not trying to burst out of the a boundary of trip hop so much as just like exploding within it and really pushing all of the boundaries to their limits. Like, how far can we go in either direction? That this is still some sort of legible thing. Um, And so, I think Lamb the album is one that is conversant with a lot of these other electronic forms going on at the time, uh, especially in its beats. Like it's really challenging what, how we understand trip hop with those. Um, but at its heart and and everything else that's happening, I think it's, it's still definitely of a piece with something like a dummy, um, uh, cotton wool, just to, to, talk about another way in which is kind of pushing itself outward like it's very glitchy like amon tobin who we talked about in another episode like it's very again it's very uh skittish it's very scattered it's very um you know i already said glitchy like it's just uh um uh what is the word for that i'm doing well at remembering my words today <laughs> staccato staccatoed is the one i wanted um and it's kind of like a, a jittery kind of drum and bass thing. So again, they're, they're really pushing in that way. Now, about halfway through the album, I think the it's interesting, like the album itself becomes less uh, forceful, I think, about halfway through and for the back half. But there's also some of its most compelling experiments in that that run as well it's this interesting juxtaposition where the back half is basically like vibes trip hop. Like you can just sort of zone out to it, um, which is cool, but there's also a few songs in there that are really okay, I think pushing in even more interesting ways, I think. And the, the best example of that to me is zero, which might be my favorite song on this whole album. And zero is led and basically sustained by this creaking violin there's no drum here there's no breakbeat there's no backbeat but like on dummy what they're emphasizing it's about the air around the thing it's about the gaps you can hear exactly where a breakbeat would fit here where it would work how it would sound but the song resists giving that to you uh the filling in is kind of natural for us as listeners and to me that's i love songs like that that, you know, probably the most popular example of this is When Doves Cry, where Prince doesn't put a bass in that thing, but you can play bass in your head to it. Like, it's such that you just kind of hear it in there. Um, and Zero has is kind of doing that. And I think, you know, this is happens, I think, at the uh, well, it's the fifth track. So, yeah, it's about literally the midpoint um, 10 song album. Uh, so to me, it's it's a really nice pivot point to have, all right, let's make the beats, these faster sub genres. Let's, let's, you know, experiment in that way. Um, everything else around it, the things we're juxtaposing, that'll feel more like trip hop. Let's just break it all open with zero and leave as air, leave as gap, all the things that we've associated with trip hop here. And then on the back half of this album, it's going to sound a bit more standard, but also it is going to show like, okay, here's our acuity with the genre itself. So Lamb as an album, I think is, you know, compared to the other two, the most or the, the least, um, uh, not least adept, the least uh, experimental, shall we say? Like, I, I just think Dummy and and Mezzanine are doing... Bigger and I mean better stuff, really. Uh, that they're that you can hear them struggling and forming sound like a a a scene uh, a, a genre on their own. Like how these albums are individually massively influential. Um, you don't really hear that on Lamb the album, but I think you get great examples of you know a band that is able to bring a lot of things together that is kind of pre or, uh, like understands what the popularity of this thing will be. And then has this really cool moment of, well, let's strip it all away and then bring it back and let's push it into other electronic genres. Um, this is kind of an iconoclastic band, I guess, in that way. Um, so not as, um, necessarily influential or forward thinking perhaps as the other two. Uh, but I don't know, In their kind of irascibility, I think there's a lot of fun to be had on this one. And, and just, you know, it, it makes trip hop a less dour experience, um, which oddly kind of works for it. So it, it's it's a fun album to listen to. Um, but again, in, in terms in like critical circles, it's not going to be the level of a dummy or a mezzanine, but I think it does help us understand what was possible within trip hop, especially in in its moment, in its place. Any questions about that one?
1: No, I like the
0: idea of something that is,
1: even if even if experimental is sort of the wrong word for it, like you were saying, I do think that there's something really, really cool about a band that is like saying, well, this song, we're going to try this thing and this song, we're going to do this thing. And we're just going to like, we're going to find multiple outlets for what we think we can still be or what we think we can be while well, sort of like, Playing up to a genre that we we want to belong to, and and finding those parameters, I guess. Like it almost feels like they're like a building a tent, you know, where you put yeah. down the sticks first, and then you you get it from there. There's something there's something about about this that feels very constructive.
0: I think as much as any of these, uh, the ones in this episode, anyway, that Lamb is helping but right. If you go after this episode and listen to all three of these lamb, as much as anyone is helping us on us, understand what the parameters of trip hop could be and are and were, um, yeah, I like the way you said that. I think that's spot on that. Like, you know, let, let's just kind of throw darts at the wall and see, see what sticks. See, see what we can keep in, uh, in the circle, see what maybe is too far afield. Um, and I think there's a lot of playfulness in how they're doing that. Um, and, and I find that probably most appealing of the album that it is, right. It is kind of playful. It's got, it's iconoclastic in some ways. Um, so that's Lamb, uh, again from 96. So we move another two years forward and we have massive attacks, mezzanine. And I think I've, uh, foreshadowed this on previous episodes but this is the album where the house theme comes from uh house the the grumpy sherlock holmes doctor thing um i i don't know i just feel like i should get that out of the way first teardrop is the song on here that uh basically how loops the intro of that and it's uh you know, I always really liked it when I heard it on House. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a really it's a really good song. It's so much better when you divorce it from, <laughs> from House and listen to the whole thing. And primarily, it's so much better because there's vocals on the thing. And those vocals are from Liz, Liz Frazier of the Cocktail Twins, uh, who we've also talked about in a previous episode. And I believe that she recorded the vocals to this shortly after learning that... Elliot Smith had died. No, That's I don't so think that timeline. I don't think that timeline works out. It would be sad. Be my fact checker. I forget when Elliot Smith died. I'm, um, I'm, I'll go look. Um, so maybe I'm making that up. They're um, not making that. I swear I read that somewhere though. I'm too focused on this to move on, so I'm just going to vamp a little while Tim finds no, this out. No, yeah. he was he was definitely like 4, kicking it's like 2001 or something 2003
1: yeah so this is from 98 so i do i do not think unless she really saw the future
0: (laughs) maybe maybe it was someone else who died and she recorded shortly after that and i just filled in elliot smith um well apologies to all my listeners yeah mine all our listeners for me not uh fact-checking appropriately beforehand, but I caught myself in real time. So, um, anywho, she's still on the track. She's still from the cocktail twins and she's still delivering a, a fine vocal performance here. Um, and she, she appears on two other tracks as well. Um, and massive attack has a couple guest vocalists throughout. And honestly, they're always the most, there's certainly more compelling voices than the two dudes in Massive Attack. Um, so the songs where they have guest vocalists become, I don't know, just especially moving. Uh, Frazier, like Gibbons, just has a very moving voice. Um, so something like Teardrop that is, and you know, is, is fun and as playful as Lamb can be, uh, and is, we are back into full dour, full depression here. Um, would you like to hear some of what's in Teardrop, Tim? Yeah, let's let's get email. Okay. All right. Uh, and just imagine this before House, of course.
1: And the death of Elliot Smith. And the death of Princess Diana, which I actually thought might have been the timeline. But I think Princess Diana was still alive when they made this too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think it, it wasn't her. I know it wasn't her, but I think... I don't remember she may have at whatever someone died um
1: i'm gonna google this too so go go ahead i'm gonna multitask
0: all right uh love love is a verb love is a doing word uh apparently there's disagreement on what word is next feathers or fearless on my breath the gentle impulsion shakes me makes me lighter uh the chorus teardrop on fire uh fearless on my breath night night of matter black flower's blossom black flower black flower's blossom teardrop on the fire water is my i'm skipping around now water is my eye most faithful mirror teardrop on fire of a confession most faithful mirror and the outro is just you're stumbling in the dark a few times uh pretty emo uh pretty imagistic pretty like uh william carlos williams almost (laughs) and it's this kind of stark bear imagery yeah you know what
1: i like about this is that it doesn't matter what band it's with no one actually knows what she's sinning. i just i just really appreciate that there's a discussion about what is the word
0: That actually caught me off guard when I was because I'm reading from a different source than I was looking at last night and they had a word filled in. I don't remember which of those options it was, but um, but I can tell you this. When I listen to that song, if I didn't have lyrics open in front of me, I sure as hell wouldn't know what (laughs) she's saying. And honestly, that's fine. Like, it's one of those ones where the lyrics are actually interesting. Like, I find, again, the blunt, the stark bare imagery of it really interesting um but when you're listening to it you hear the mood in her vocals in her voice like right the emotion is in the sound there and so often across this album that's that's true massive attack is really good at you don't necessarily need to know or care what they're saying though there's a lot of good lyrics across this uh the mood is is in the sound. Um, everything you need is in the sound of the electronics, of the live instruments, of the vocals, of of everything. Um, good, we got teardrop out of the way. Um, well, okay. Yeah. So I have. Oh God,
1: I have. I have no idea who it was, okay. but I think you, the most the most interesting. About... Oh, go ahead. The most interesting April 1997 death that could have been, I think, is Allen Ginsberg.
0: Oh, that would make a lot of sense
1: that would that would not be bad. So, as long as we're just making stuff up here, I figure we may as well make okay, it up about Alan Ginsberg.
0: I like that. but i'm I'm actually going to go back and figure out where I found this. but what do you what do you think of this out? Or do you have any is this like Portishead? Had you heard of massive attack before? Is this a band you knew anything about beforehand? I feel like
1: I must have heard of massive attack before, but I don't think I could have said literally anything about them um it's it's interesting that they have uh for at least the first song that we're talking about they're going with a with with a cocteau twins person uh Mm -hmm. which is fun because we we had that whole episode which sort of got into that gauzy feeling and that the stuff for that one I enjoyed a lot, but it's it's interesting to me that that Portishead has been the one that's kind of stuck with me the hardest, uh, not because of their most recent, but just I think because it was the album I enjoyed most out of that. So maybe maybe there's a reason that's the the one that's on the spin list, and that's the one that that gets to be replaced rather than rather than Mezzanine or Lamb here.
0: So be, I think Dummy is perfectly just like I'm happy it's here. I wish it was a little higher, honestly. Um, I do think Mezzanine. If I were doing this top hundred list, I don't know if Mezzanine would make the top one hundred necessarily, but it's also an album that I'm like, if it's in there, I feel good about that. If that makes sense, so
1: oh, it definitely makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think this is one that's perfectly deserving, and I feel good if it's in there. Um, but I do like Dummy is the standout one to me here too. Um, though there are a couple tracks on on Mezzanine that just really blow me away. Teardrop is one of them, um, and part of that is you listen to that and you're just immediately transported to like a gray, foggy, rainy Bristol night. You don't even need to know what Bristol looks like, but you're there. Like it, It's so evocative in its sounds. It's like the mirror version of Manchester. Yes, which uh, I forgot to mention. Lamb is actually from Manchester, so maybe this is all making mm. more sense now. It's, okay. Also, I found my thing. Um, I can't Ritty? wait. I, know, I, can't, I cannot wait to hear what totally random
1: person it is. I'm actually going to guess. Can I guess first? Yeah, yeah go ahead. It's a zoo
0: animal. <laughs> that would be better. I <laughs> wish. Um, well, no, it's not. But it is someone who drowned in what is called Wolf River. So let's say that it is zoo animal adjacent. <laughs> Wolf River. Yeah. Any any get that prompt anything.
1: No, I'm just imagining Audrey Hepburn sending that in Breakfast at Tiffany's now.
0: All right. Well, first, I want to tell you that uh, there's a rumor that Teardrop was either considered for or offered to Madonna first. Okay. The, the vocals, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, that, made, that makes sense. And then, uh, but Frazier, so I, I was on the right track. It is a sad white white voice singer <laughs> songwriter uh, but it was jeff buckley oh uh,
1: okay okay that
0: that's they, uh, yeah they died the same way i was close um anyway fraser i think had a some form of relationship with buckley and then The story is that she was recording this shortly after learning he died so it it adds right just that emotional heft and gut punch to all of it um which especially near the end of the song like i think you can hear that and again it's one of those uh happenstance things that like you you just can't recreate that really um and maybe it's more myth than anything right she's a professional she knows how to work in the studio but I don't know. There's something kind of darkly romantic about that, right? So much despair leads to this outpouring of just brilliant music. And that's kind of the whole book on mezzanine. Um, some other standouts just in terms of that um, that sadness, that, that despair, that rock bottom depression, really. Like if Dummy is one that's right it's sad vibes throughout again i don't mean that to belittle them at all like gibbons is really smart gibbons is really uh acute in her observations yeah sad vibes sad vibes though but yeah but i'm just saying like i want to separate that from like you know what i can say about some of my uh less profound emo stuff (laughs) but um right it's it's a you know dummy is kind of a big like a sigh like it's a it's uh, a searching for something and uh that's just i don't know like it's just a sad a course sadness there but like there's kind of an emptiness at mezzanine is really my point here that it, it just really carves further down to the point where there's nothing like nothing is really doing is is providing any solace anymore um and that's not necessarily what Frazier's thinking with teardrop, but just that story I think is kind of evocative of that feeling of like, it's so far down that it's hard to even pretend that anything has meaning anymore. Um, And a great example of that is uh, inertia creeps, um, which has the line early on. uh, And this is a song about sex, mind you, uh two under egos four rotating hips. I, I love that. How many but, hips do we have? Yeah, well I I think they mean hip bones. Do we have <laughs> two dance. hip bones? Well you can replace either side, yeah. Hot ziggity. <laughs> Tim learns anatomy on this. Episode. I was about to say,
1: like, some people learned about Jeff Buckley. I mean, I guess, I mean, that obviously makes sense. I just never really thought about it as multiple well, yeah. bones. What I too talking? like this line. I too like this it's line it. very much now that I understand how many
0: how many bones I have. This is why Tim teaches English and not and not-, not anatomy. <laughs> um I just pedantic anatomy aside. <laughs> That wasn't I, pedantic, I, that was genuine curiosity. Well, but uh, no, I understand that and I'm I'm happy to talk <laughs> about that with you, but from there it becomes pedantry, I think. Um uh questions of your own body aside, I just love the the bareness of that pun I guess intended. Um just how matter of fact and how sad that sounds and the delivery is perfect anytime one of the one of the massive attack people is actually sing singing i put in their quotes (laughs) um it's just sort of this like monotonous sigh the monotonous lurch really like there's not a lot of dynamic quality to their vocals but that suits the stuff perfectly well and there's so much dynamism in the music that it's uh it's a perfect fit really and that inertia creeps is one of those examples so that line not even enough energy to say it's spat out like it's just said it's side it's just left there to to lay and to be um and that's emblematic of a lot uh, of the concerns across this album really it is one that's about sex that's about passion that's about um uh clubbing to put it a little too reductively, but partying really like it's the guys looking like not realizing in the moment, having already realized that the stuff is not fulfilling and that they don't care that they don't want to be here on the song rising sun. There's just the line I'm dying to leave and yet they never can. Uh, So it's one that has lived in this for a while. Uh, That seems pretty obvious. Uh, but there's no there's an entrapment, and that's one of the the biggest feelings across Mezzanine. It's that entrapment. It's that just utter despair. Again, that emptiness. That that core is just hollowed out. Um. So this is definitely a moody album to listen to, uh, and as I was saying, what the vocals sometimes lack in, uh you know dynamics not all of them but but a lot of them really the music more than makes up for the opening track here angel is one of my just favorite things like this song is absolutely beautiful Uh, and it starts with this very claustrophobic and syrupy backbeat breakbeat um it's a slow thing you can hear like there's an there's a kind of sweet amount of reverb on it like it's it's it, it's good vibes to, to go back to that language it's quickly about to be ominous vibes though apocalyptic vibes even uh because that runs for a little bit and then suddenly this thing er- absolutely erupts with this very anxious and just raw exposed nerve guitar line uh guitar riff uh befitting i don't know something off of like funkadelics maggot brain like it is this just incredible guitar work i don't know if they're sampling it or playing live guitar honestly i don't really want to check uh because i just like it existing the way it is um but that you know i've been talking about juxta juxtapositions with all of them but mezzanine is the one with i think the starkest poles where you get something that is just straight out of uh, like doom funk, really Um, layered over again, this really downbeat downcast kind of syrupy breakbeat. Um, It's really playing with, you know, how do we take the slowness, the, uh, the, um you know the just general downbeatness of trip hop and put as much energy into that thing as we can and explode it outward out of that formula um and mezzanine is i think their third album um and if i wanted this episode to be like the truest assessment of here's the beginnings of trip hop i would have taken a different massive attack album probably blue lines which is their debut from 91 uh, which is one that really sets up the formula, like here's what this thing is going to be, um, that Portishead then codifies. Um, but there's just something so compelling about mezzanine and how it's bristling at its own genre restraints uh, and how that, that turmoil, that... Uh, that friction really leads to this just incredible album that is still of trip hop. And you can hear it trying to break away from that at a lot of moments. Um, and kind of ironically, they end up just creating another totem of the genre, uh, a, another massive, um, an important entry into it. Um, but you can also hear at this point, so again, 98. So this is why I did this chronologically, how, Other stuff is taking out how like trip hop for these Bristol artists. Not that this, the work or the ethos itself has run their run its course. Like I don't, what they're doing is still really inventive and I think they're invested in, you know, just how they put music together. But I think they're tired of the restrictions of the, the cat, the exterior categorization at this point and really trying to explode that outward so that that emptiness at the core of mezzanine um that is about lifestyle that is about what you find passion in that right lyrically is about specific things it's hard to not hear especially if you're looking at a bunch of these historically at the same time to not hear here's this kind of music that came out of a special place uh from some special musicians who had a really unique and inventive take on things um, who as you said earlier are wearing influences on their sleeve but it, it like these are the it's their own unique stitching of things and that is just there's kind of an emptiness in being called that anymore at this point five, six, seven years on um, that they want away from it but they can't escape like it's hard to not hear that in that in mezzanine if you're thinking about all of these historically um and to me that right that's the i don't know the biggest takeaway and the i suppose just most academically intriguing thing about mezzanine um but if nothing else this is an album it, it's rattling low ends it's violent outbursts it's samples from everything from isaac hayes to the cure to when the levy breaks from led zeppelin like it actually takes that drum beat and makes it work as a sample which is really hard to do incredible backbeat um it's just pulling from anything and everything and really trying to explode this genre that to them is an empty core now um and again, ironically, it kind of becomes a like, definitive statement of the thing. Um, yeah, that's mezzanine. That's Massive Attack. Anything on that? That got heavy. I know.
1: I, I yeah. feel like this... <laughs> <laughs> it started off with me being like, I like this album. It has such good vibes. And then we're talking about the emptiness at the core of things. And now I'm like a little bit
0: sad. Heavy vibes, heavy vibes. (laughs) I really like this album. Um, I think there are definitely a few songs that like... It's not the fault of the rest of the album. I like every song on this, but a couple of them are just so good that it like feels out of proportion in some ways. Um, Angel is there for me. Teardrop is there for me. Um, It's just a couple that are so good that it like... it's, It's... whereas dummy feels like a whole cohesive piece and they're definitely right. You can have your own standout songs. Um, that feels level in a way that this one doesn't necessarily, but I still really like this one. It is heavy. Um, but it's, it's, it's good shit. It's, it's, uh, all three of these, I think are fun. It's a fun afternoon. No, it's a fun night for you. You should listen to these at night with your headphones and that's the best. That was the best way. That was a winning
1: strategy for me.
0: Yeah. That's the best way to listen to all three of these. Um, Anything on any of these, anything on trip hop, any questions or anything? We ready for spiel?
1: Yeah, let's, let's go for it. I think I know what I'm doing, but you know,
0: things change. Yeah. Uh, I think I pretty much built my spiel into the end of both of them, but quick recap here. Our entry today, number 61 on the spin list, uh, is dummy by Portishead, their 1994 album, a, true masterclass and masterpiece uh, in general, just just, uh, period, but also of trip hop. And that's our theme for today. Um, uh, One of our informational, one of our explainer episodes. So trip hop as a subgenre, early, early, mid nineties UK thing, particularly from Bristol. It's a fusion of hip hop and electronic music. Uh, it, and it's much slower than a lot of other forms. It's more downbeat, and that is true uh, sonically and emotionally. Uh, and Dummy again being just a, a a great encapsulation of all that is possible in trip hop, and just a really just a really good, really good album, really good version of it. Um, so Tim has the choice between Lamb's self titled debut. Uh, from 1996 which is really trying to not necessarily explode trip hop itself but really see what they are capable of what they can do what they can manage really stretch the parameters of all of this Uh, so this is an album that the first half of it is really toying with other types of electronic music with jungle with drum and bass with big beat um with dub even to some degree um particularly in the rhythms so those 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 slow those uh forced, those forceful rhythms that portishead is working with uh lamb basically throw those throws those out the window for the first half of this uh and beh- behind those under those around those you hear some of those uh trip hop signifiers you you get a lot of the melancholy you get um uh, you get some of the the glitchiness in the in the turntable work and the sampling. Um, you get just kind of slower, uh, more downbeat stuff around those rhythmic sections, and then about halfway through it, the album doesn't so much expand itself as like really contracts itself in a very profound way. Um, it, with a song that's led just by a creaking violin Uh, it's it strips out all of the things that we would associate with trip hop and really takes them away and then the back half really plays around in a a more standard space shall we say so I think it's an album that uh, is testing really the parameters in all directions of what they're capable of within trip hop of how far out can we take it how close can we get it to other things and then how much can we strip away um, how You know, how much can we take out and still there's that understanding that this is uh, this is the same thing. This is within this world. Um, So, again, this is a playful and and more um, iconoclastic band. Uh, Just a straight up heavier band is Massive Attack in their 1998 album Mezzanine. Uh, And as I was saying, you know, not too long ago, this is uh, this is dread. This is existential despair. This is a core of meaninglessness that the band is trying to work around and they're trying to not figure out, they know it's there, but figure some way through if possible. And generally that's uh, written in terms of, you know, of the local, of the personal, of where one finds passion of where one finds meaning of where one uh, finds finds just work and anything fulfilling and there's a general emptiness to it all and to me it's really easy to hear that as a genre consideration too that 98 massive attack has already made two albums that are vital to trip hop as a genre that really set up what it is Um, and they're bristling at the categorization at this point there's still these really inventive and unique musicians they're still pulling from a lot of things that they they always have Um, but you can just hear in the music them trying to explode everything that they're known for really Um, and to right really the only way to get away from that that core emptiness is to set the whole thing on fire and that's what's happening on a lot of mezzanine and it becomes this just um i don't really it just really draws you in, and and it's despair, honestly. Um, it's, it's quite captivating for how heavy it is. Um, so, yeah, Tim, I turn it over to you. Massive attack or lamb? So,
1: I don't usually get into get into authenticity like unironically or without some level of prodding, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm doing this for for trip hop either, but no, God, no, I I really like, (laughs) I really like the explanations for both, for both albums. And there's like a lot of authenticity in in both the replacements, I think, because you have one that's like, let's authentically sort of like, you know, stretch our arms out and see what's happening. And then there's another one that's very authentically like we kind of don't want to do this anymore, but we, you know, we're still us, you know, we're Mm -hmm. still we're still the same people who were at the at the vanguard of this seven years ago. So thinking about it, I keep going back to our wearing things on the sleeve thing. And I just sort of like the image. And I don't know if this has anything to do with anything. But I like the image of not having sleeves anymore but something about like you know you just like rip the shirt off entirely and and throw Mm -hmm. it away but it's it's still that person um which is why very very logically i'm going with mezzanine here uh the massive attack album because i i do think that there's something just really fascinating about even when they're not trying to do trip hop strictly or when they're like trying to branch out, it just like turns into the second most important trip hop album, the way that you're explaining it. And, and there's something about that that I find really, really compelling. Uh, not just because the music sounds really interesting because the emotions sound like deeply co- uh, compelling and awful, but also, because it just—it just seems like that's that's really at the core of what they're doing, and so you're going to make a trip hop classic with them, even if the goal is to sort of branch out away from from what people thought the genre was before that.
0: I dig it. I think, you know, I only talked about the title for Dummy, but um, you know, hearing you you go through your reasoning made me think of this but even if we just think of a mezzanine right like a floor between floors basically um that's not not uh kind of how massive attack is situated Uh, like they are of this thing of this floor that we'll call trip hop and yet they kind of loom above it and they're they're i don't i guess sort of this liminal space to something else um and yet they themselves, as you said, like if you tear the shirt off, they're still in, they're still in that place. Um, so they are, they are very uniquely situated. Um, but also just good, good band. Uh, great album here. Um, all their stuff is just interesting. Um, so I think there are way worse afternoons than, than a massive attack afternoon. Um, and I think i don't know this seems like rife decile territory because i can honestly kind of see this being like maybe shoegaze for us where it's just somehow this is the thing that hits i don't know
1: the thing that everyone googles
0: (laughs) (laughs) who knows why uh but mezzanine goes through i dig it uh i i was thinking about the second most important trip-hop album. I think that's really interesting, and that, to me, seems like a ripe, ripe decile territory. Um, I think the... Uh, I, I don't know. Um, the general trio, I think, is Dummy, uh, Tricky's uh, Max and K.
1: Oh, right, the one that's yeah. down there yeah. on the yeah, list. Which yeah, is yeah.
0: 82 on the list, I think, when I checked. And then pick a massive attack album <laughs> um, so I, yeah no I just I find that compelling I think that's uh, something I need to think about more what the actual ranking of those is but trip hop it's a fun genre I, I I know I've talked a lot about the depression of it and that is kind of part of it but it is fun I mean we I mean think of a lot of popular music now like right there's some combo of electronic something. And some combo of hip-hop something right there are touchstones in both of those that end up in a lot of pop music now um so we're just kind of used to those two things like weaving together in some ways um, but i think it's also such in in a lot of cases where you can kind of pull out the elements and like pick them out and, and figure out like okay that's touching on that which is not bad but i think the key of trip-hop is that those things become inextricable where it is this whether you're trying to rip it off or not is it is this uniquely stitched shirt to just keep driving that metaphor forward. Um, and I find that just kind of eminently listenable. Um, and again, I think it is one that like the vibes are definitely there. And if that's what you're looking for, they're there. Um, but there's also a lot of just really insightful and, uh, kind of cutting and biting not always common not commentary insight I guess um, across most of these albums um, particularly mezzanine and, and particularly dummy so yeah anything else about these or are we feeling good to go here
1: uh, let's take a trip hop and a jump to the to the end here
0: uh, hey oh Entry number sixty-one on the spin list was Portishead's uh, nineteen ninety-four album *Dummy*. Uh, I have talked about trip hop in all its um, in all its fun and all its dourness uh, and all its glory, and gave Tim the option between Massive Attack's *Mezzanine* and Lamb's self-titled, and Tim has chosen *Mezzanine* to go onto the subtitles albums list. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to see more about us, who we are, what we do, the beginnings of this, this whole project, uh, if you want to see other things that we've done either together or in our uh, blog spaces, uh, Tim's reviews, my playlists, and if you want to catch up on back episodes, and I feel like I say this every time now, but I did especially reference a bunch this episode. <laughs> um <laughs> Go check all of those out at our website, subtitlespodcast.com, or listen wherever you listen to your podcasts, and do stay tuned for part two of this episode, um, where Tim will be talking about something that is much more popular than trip hop, I think. Um, that a lot of you will know and which is sad for me because it always goes worse for me when the movie just like far outstrips the the album but ripening <laughs> aside uh, Tim will be considering The Sound of Music and asking much like these three albums I think are asking I must have done something good and trying to figure that out so stay tuned for part two